0: You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Eddie Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Happy St. Valentine's Day. It is February 14th. It is Monday and it is time for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. In just a moment, thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Happy Valentine's Day, Deacon Decided in and welcome back for more of uh, Finding Hope.
2: Happy Valentine's Day. I have to tell you that like, I think it's so appropriate that we're talking about family life on Valentine's Day, because for me, it's always more about that. When I was growing up, my dad would always give me special Valentines. And I always oh. think of my dad very strongly on this day. Oh. Yeah, and I, I think that that's one way we can kind of redeem Valentines, is encourage people to reach out to someone today if they're feeling lonely, reach out to someone it doesn't have to be about romance right that was last week's topic we're over it we're moving on <laughs> we're moving
0: on <laughs> moving Reach right out to on. a
2: family member or someone else and wish them a happy valentine's day
0: <laughs> all right so we are we're moving into the chapter on family life today in finding hope from brokenness to restoration by deaconess heidi Gaiman. so let's dig in how do we define family Ooh, yeah. how do our definitions actually play out in real life
2: yeah. You know, it's interesting to me because this is actually one place where the Bible speaks very differently than other places. And I think, especially from the past, now I, I'm i starting to see some cultural shift, if you will, in the way we define family now. And and we even have the family, if you will. And so mm-hmm. there is some openness to that, I mm-hmm. think, for people that didn't used to be there. And that makes me really happy because that's actually far more b- biblical. And so in the book, I offer two definitions. One is a nod to what culturally we believe and also does help us see that God does create family as this stable system for people, if you will, even in the genealogies of Jesus, right? Family had that purpose of pointing to something bigger through the stability of it, even though they were all a mess. You know, I think that's really helpful that there is a structure and there are some boundaries Mm -hmm. in that. And so the first definition is a group of individuals who share a common ancestry, right? So there's whether blood or adoption, there's this formal bond that we call family. Again, the stability piece. Of that is very important. But then the second one is, and with Jesus and his incarnation, especially, we see the Bible talk differently about family. And so the second definition I offer is a group of individuals who offer care and a sense of protection to one another, as well as a stated commitment toward one another, legal or otherwise, which creates a unique bond and responsibility that goes beyond friendship. That definition took me a minute to come up with um, <laughs> because I think there's a lot of meat in that. So anything that sticks out to you in those definitions that might be helpful to unpack a little bit?
1: I think the the what is it sense of protection, a stated state no, a stated commitment toward one another, legal or otherwise. I don't know how many. TV shows I've watched lately, which sounds like I watch a lot of TV, but I don't know how many of these shows that involve uh, like these friends who are closer than just (laughs) friends. Like this theme has come up a lot lately Mm -hmm. in popular culture, I feel like.
2: Yeah, no, I think it is true. And again, I think it's because that we're seeing that cultural shift, partly because we need it. Like we need, and Jesus saw this, you guys. It's so cool to me that we see this quite clearly biblically, that Other people in our lives are meant to heal what is missing for us at time in family life. Other people are meant to be there when we are lonely, when we feel broken in ways that are directly impacted by our family. Other relationships can help fill that void. That is done through Christ, right? Christ is the one who does this work. The Holy Spirit is alive and well and moving between people and so we don't need to exist necessarily in this very strict structure to get all of our needs met in the way that like the nation of Israel was quite limited because of their unique place in that time and space to be the chosen people the royal priesthood this holy nation that is different in the way that plays out in our lives before Jesus after Jesus very different that said i think they're What is missing often culturally is that stated commitment, right? Like we we kind of fall into this other family and that doesn't, it doesn't work. It's one reason why marriage is so much safer for children than not marriage with parents is because there's this stated commitment. There is something verbal that they're not guessing like they they know what that means in our culture and i think especially if they grew up with the bible we have ways to talk to them about what makes this a safe place uh, for them and so you can see how complicated that gets really fast but i do think that stated commitment is the piece that's often missing and i would say the bond is what you're seeing right in the in the shows especially Mm -hmm. portrayed but what about the responsibility factor Right. I think so often we want love without accountability. And sometimes occasionally you see people who want accountability with no love. Both those things get us in trouble. And for safety, which is the work of family and intimacy or knowing, we call it in some of our other episodes, we need stated things and we need that
1: both those things, love and accountability. Mm hmm. So, is there such a thing as a perfect family? I think when we're kids, a lot of times we're like, "Oh, I have the perfect family," or maybe not. <laughs>
2: maybe it's the opposite, the opposite side of that spectrum. Far more honest than that, maybe. <laughs> generally, generationally now, yeah, like, you know, yeah. It's so funny because it is. I think you know the e- the easy answer to that is no. Of course, there's right. not a perfect family because there's not perfect people. Because that's the d- only Jesus. Jesus, even his family wasn't perfect because it was other people. <laughs> like, you know. Um, <laughs> There's some beauty and grace in that. Uh, But at the same time, I think we, we instead do this other thing where we create two categories, like there's a good family and then there's the bad family. And so that's not helping us either. Instead, one way that I put it in the book is that family life is broken people living together, sharing hope. And maybe sometimes not sharing hope, but like we are all broken or impacted by brokenness also. And so family is actually one way I think God brings into our lives to help us heal in that brokenness, to have a safe place, to be messy and imperfect and learn and grow and be told we're loved anyway. I do think that that is the place of family. And so family more than anything. So the more intimate your relationships are, the more messy they are going to be, we talked about. And so in that way, I think there is, yes, only a thing as imperfect family and no family is more or less imperfect. They are all simply messed up in their own way.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think we, We often, we acknowledge that there's no such perfect, no such thing as perfect family because we live in a broken world. But I think we often, like you said, there's the good family and the bad family. You often think of, okay, well, there's no perfect family, but gosh, that family, they're as close to perfect Mm -hmm. as you can get in Mm -hmm, this life. mm -hmm. And we all want to try to be like that perfect or close to perfect family.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. And I do, I mean, I'm a trauma therapist, right? So it is important to recognize that there is definitely like a spectrum of health and unhealth yeah. in families. We all need to deal with our mess. We all need to be honest about our mess also is one and and allow people that honesty I think what you're talking about Andy is especially in the church we do this like we we need to look buttoned up like we need to Mm -hmm. look like we have it together or we have that assumption that everyone else has it together and we don't none of that's working for us right so we just (laughs) need to set it aside and deal with our own stuff be grace places where other people feel comfortable dealing with their stuff so that we can move along the spectrum of health towards something that supports more wellness in our families. Some people, unfortunately, and this is part of brokenness, had a lot handed to them, a lot of junk handed to them in their families. And so I want to honor that alongside people and, and say like, I know that that is very challenging to come out of, but there can be health in all of this. And so a big work in therapy is honoring both the things that our families brought us, no matter how messed up, the ways that they have brought, maybe if not even safety, have brought an awareness of ourselves and what we want in our life alongside all the pain and all the baggage. And so I don't believe in good families and bad families. I believe in really broken people trying their best and needing to discover how God is redeeming all of that and how he brings good into all those places.
0: So where do we find that? Where do we find the hope and grace in the midst of our broken family life.
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting that God sent Jesus to walk uh, among us, to live among the mess. And I think that (laughs) is step one, is understanding that like our mess isn't too great for Jesus to walk among. And so while Jesus is already there and while the spirit lives in baptized believers and all that good stuff, I do think we can actively invite him further into that and maybe like open ourselves up more to God working in that. And so we just start having the conversations about where's the brokenness? Where do you, where do you see brokenness in our family? Like, let's be honest and developmentally appropriate with children, but they are capable of this conversation. You know, even with the very youngest children saying to them, wow, like I kind of made a mess there in that, didn't I? Or I, mom shouldn't have said it that way. Like that was a way that I bring some mess into our family and I want it to be better for you. So I want to apologize for that and ask for your forgiveness, things like that. And so we can have really honest, as kids get older the dinner table especially but other spaces where we can have this conversation of where do you see brokenness around us but also in us is massively powerful for finding the hope that again we really wanted to call this bro- this book the power of calling brokenness by name but we wanted to emphasize finding hope is what actually comes from that when we call the brokenness by name we can see the hope we can say i see jesus here in that brokenness not over here apart from it because there's no apart from it by the way there just isn't (laughs) you know just the way brokenness is
0: it is mental health monday with deaconess heidi Gaiman taking a look at family life in finding hope from brokenness to restoration we'll continue the conversation in just a moment i'm andy bates
1: i'm sarah Golzeth.
0: Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: It is Mental Health Monday. Take a look at family life in Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration, the book by Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. And it is Mental Health Monday, so we get to talk about Deaconess Heidi today. We are digging into family life. So we know there's no perfect family life. We're talking about where we find hope and grace in the midst of this broken family life. And you, you pointed out the importance of being able to identify brokenness and call it by name. What are ways that you do that in a even on a daily basis, you talked about like, you know, a family dinner, how, help us do that. Help us. How do we find and how do we identify brokenness and call it by name so that we can yeah. then move to grace and hope.
2: Yeah, I think one of the best ways I've learned to do this as a start, like you're starting to try to do this, right, is number one, you don't just listen. I think that we want to guide the conversation often, especially as parents, but we want to kind of control the conversation a lot. And so instead, listening and asking questions. You're going to get to those topics like the world is hard. There's plenty out there. So you'll get to the topic of brokenness if you listen and ask deeper questions. You know, that said, one way I've found that it's really helpful is using highs and lows. And so sitting down and instead of saying, how was your day? One way we can talk about these things more clearly is to say, like, okay, what was your, the high and low of your day? So in doing that, you're recognizing that there's brokenness, that there's going to be lows, that not everything is like, whoa, it's great, it's fine, it's perfect, right? And so highs and lows help us do that and also help us normalize you know, navigating brokenness and hope, which brings more, <clears throat> excuse me, it brings more hope because it feels normalized that we're not the only ones who have highs and lows. This is life and we're doing it together.
1: So what happens then when we when we experience brokenness in in the world and we try to use our family life as a way to escape the brokenness that we experience maybe outside of that family life?
2: Yeah, I think that key word there is
1: escape.
2: Like we want our families to be refuges. So let's let's utilize them as a refuge from the brokenness of the world. Escaping and and in, in doing that, like uh, I think we try to bubble our families, if you will, right? Like we try to craft a small globe around them of an invisibility cloak so that they're not touched (laughs) by the world's brokenness. The problem is that brokenness exists inside the globe, right? Mm -hmm. And it's permeable. No matter what we do, it's permeable. And I think I sit with so many families that feel feel so frustrated, Christian families especially, of this permeableness of the brokenness. Like we tried. We tried to protect them. We tried to make it work here and keep this as this safe zone. And really, we keep it safest by admitting the brokenness of the world, by having conversations about it, and instead of escaping it, calling it by name, and also connecting it to to Christ and his healing and redemption and restoration. And so, okay, your child has a bad day at school and maybe they were bullied that day. Maybe someone said something that was really hurtful. And this is not uncommon, right? Um, mm-hmm. They come home and I can either choose to like take them out of the school, which at some point might be a good choice, you know, like there's no judgment here, only scenarios. And so, I can you know, kind of rip them away. I can try to renegotiate everything. I can make that bubble wider, if you will, or contract it closer to them. Or I can walk with them and navigate it. By conversing, by asking questions, by saying like God is in this, I wonder where you see God. I wonder how I see God, and like sometimes that's hard to see. Let's open the Bible and see what He's doing and what He promises, and then continue navigating it. That doesn't mean you, the the end result is different. It doesn't mean you're maybe not gonna like have your child switch schools. It just means that you're not escaping it. You are walking in the brokenness with Christ's hope wrapped around you. In The world, and that's you know what he says in John is not I've um in the world but not of the world is mistakenly understood as like God is creating these bubbles for us and we just need to live in the bubble. Really, he says, I've I've also put you back in the world, but with my word in hand, and so that's what we want to offer for our families that refuge of support and comfort and God's promises, but admitting the permeableness, if you will, of the boundary.
0: So a few weeks ago, we learned about safety and knowing. Let's revisit that. And why are they important in particularly in this topic of family life?
2: Yeah. Uh, Well, using what we were just talking about is I think we saw the importance of safety. Like we do want the world to be a safer place for people and the The world itself isn't necessarily always going to do that because it is broken, but either will our families. And so I think in family life, safety comes in creating and embracing some boundaries, but then also talking about when those boundaries are broken, right? So we're just talking active confession, essentially, of both my own stuff and the sin I bring into our families, offering that for the people in my family. And then also uh, bringing absolution for me and my family members each day. Families are messy. And again, they will be messier because they are more intimate than our other relationships where we are kind of trying to keep ourselves buttoned up a little bit. Like if they're truly a refuge, you're going to see some stuff
1: (laughs) because,
2: you know, we can only hold it together (laughs) so long. And this is why kids in particular, they can emotionally regulate All day at school, maybe, but then they come home, and then your like ten year old is having a toddler tantrum, and you're like, "What is going on?" It's because home is safe for them. The same is true for adults. I don't know about you guys, but (laughs) four p.m. I get kind (laughs) of hangry and a little grouchy, and I've been working all day, and then maybe my family doesn't get my best self, and Mm so that's where the knowing interacts. So, in working on the confession and working on absolution, on caring for each other in that. we also begin to know one another and to be able to say things like, hey, maybe you're hungry. Like, can I fix you a sandwich? And then we learn about ourselves in that process. And then while we're eating our sandwich, then we're talking about our days and we're knowing each other more. And so it's this real lovely interaction of safety and knowing, um, just like zinging all over the place, almost like neurons inside of our brain that happens and builds this structure that is family in a real meaningful way.
0: It is amazing how food can really uh, fix so many emotional issues. It's
2: true. Naps and Mindful snacks. eating goes a long way in sharing the intimacy and safety and knowing.
1: <laughs> it's very true. Now You've mentioned a, a few ways of building safety and knowing, but you also, you talk about some biblical concepts in, uh, in the book, what forgiveness, freedom, truth, and love honor. Can you unpack those a little bit more and in, in the, how they help with all of this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we, you know, hit on forgiveness with like that active confession absolution. I would say that the last episode that we had on romantic relationships really talked about accountability in love and the interaction there and how we want that in our families. And then I would say, let's talk about speaking truth in love. That's a good mm-hmm. one to land on. And so this is when I think we forget so often uh, that we need We need both, and both is the complete gospel, not one or the other, right? And so sometimes, especially when it comes to correction, whether it is with children or whether it is with simply relationships like me talking to my spouse and wanting something different from him than he's currently giving me for, say, a chore or something like that, I need to speak truth and love in that. It's not just how we talk about like abortion in the world out there or how we evangelize. It is these family processes that need truth and love. And so when I communicate with my husband then saying like, I Really recommend wrapping it in love, if you will. And the truth is this the kind of core center thing. And so when we talk to someone, validate that we appreciate what they're doing or we recognize their value, which is that love component on the front end. And then To to speak the truth, (laughs) to say, like, okay, so this isn't working for me in our family right now. Can we negotiate something different? And communicating our needs is part of truth, I think. And then on the back end, making sure that love is where we land. We can be a whole bunch of angry in the middle and maybe irritated, but making sure we land in that safe place where there is refuge is a really, really good thing. And so I think speaking truth and love happens again in honest conversations, but that is especially when we need to bring the more direct conversations about our own baggage (laughs) and our own sin and other people's um, sin or brokenness and the way it's impacting us. Whereas, you know, before we talked about just talking about brokenness and its existence and calling it by name. Now we're talking about like getting what we need in our relationships, asking for help, those kinds of things. That's where truth and love conversations come in.
0: What about freedom? What does Christ's freedom look like in family life with just about a minute and a half?
2: Sure. I think (laughs) the most important thing is that there's no one right way. There's no ideal for family life. There is, like I said, that spectrum of what's supporting our wellness and what is not supporting our wellness, whether individually or as a community that is called family. And so I think there's a whole lot of freedom in that. Again, there have been places where the church on earth or certain materials I think have either accidentally or on purpose made us feel kind of junky about this. Like we need to be better Christians and have better families. And while we're all looking for tools and and I recommend looking for tools, I'd be careful about picking up anything that tells you how to be a family. I really encourage instead gather around God's word, read the Bible stories, read about families like Joseph's family, who just was such a mess, and see the redemption in it, see what was working and what wasn't working, talk about it. I really think that that is serves families better than picking up A ton of resources that have like x y and z way to be family and i I love the christian church on earth but in this way the small c church i think has really done some disservice for people in in misleading them to believe that there's one right way and they just need to find it
0: finding hope from brokenness to restoration from heidi gaiman you can find it at cph.org So you can, if if you want to dig in more into this topic of family life, it's a great chapter. But we've enjoyed all the chapters and we have more to discuss next week. We'll continue the conversation. Thanks so much for joining us again for Mental Health Monday today, Heidi.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Look forward to our next discussion.
0: And happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, everybody, for Mental Health Monday. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golzeff.